Welcome to Mark's Miserable, Marvelous May music. Mark's Miserable, Marvelous May. It's Mark's Miserable, Marvelous May. M-A-R-C, Miserable, Marvelous. M-A-R-C, Miserable, Marvelous. M-A-R-C, Miserable, Marvelous. M-A-Y, May. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the New World Pictures Podcast. We are going to talk about every movie released by New World Pictures on the big screen and the small screen. And welcome to Marvelous May, known by its mutant name, Mark's Miserable Marvelous May. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ryan, with me as always is Mark. But I'm a bad girl, and I've got some nasty mutant tricks, so just back off. (laughs) 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 And Erica? Code name! It's not as easy as it looks. Yeah, it's, it's not, not as easy as it looks. It's not. I guess code name uh, Fumble. <laughs> Is that Fumble or Fumble? Fumble. Fumble. Good, good. <laughs> and join us for this episode. You're going to remember him from our episode. Episode 33, Star Crystal. (laughs) (laughs) He's a writer. He's a performer. Everybody, welcome back. Peter Fluey, everybody. Ah, thank you, everybody. I'm so glad to be back. Please call me by my mutant code name, Wine Cooler. (laughs) You you got it, Wine Cooler. Thanks. Bamble heard you loud and clear, wine cooler. Man, these sparkling wines are warm. <laughs> oh, that's Bamble's fault. She was supposed to get ice to cool them. Don't off. worry, I brought in wine cooler. <laughs> He'll cool it. That's his mutant power. Awesome, but make sure he registers with the mutant registration because <laughs> otherwise he's fucked. Of course, this is all preamble because what we're talking about is a very important movie for all fans of superhero movies one of kevin feige's absolute favorite films we're talking tonight about 1996's generation x from the creators of the hit comic book series the x-men comes generation x born with superhuman powers the teenage mutants of today Training to become the superheroes of tomorrow. To battle the most fiendish supervillain on Earth. I'm feeling seriously all Get ready for Generation X, a Fox original movie, tonight. <laughs> That's right. 1996's Generation X, brought to you by Konami's X-Men arcade game. It's 1992, and you and five of your friends can play this X-Men stand-up arcade game in exciting scrolling action. Pick one of six X-Men characters, Cyclops, Colossus, Wolverine, Storm, Nightcrawler, and Dazzler. That's right, Dazzler! You can play as Dazzler! And you will if you're the sixth person to put a coin into Konami's latest hit arcade game, X-Men! It's a shame you couldn't unlock Wine Cooler. 
Uh, I don't want to cool that down. Oh, my power sucks. You can get one cooler, but you just have to know the owner of the arcade, and he'll yeah. go in. You can unlock it. I only control temperature in a localized area. Oh, and I only bring it down eight degrees. <laughs> Instead of, like, mind control or power absorption, when you touch wine cooler skin, you get a little buzz. Oh! Not drunk, just a little buzz. Just a, just a little buzz. buzz. Lightly buzz. Just enough to give you a terrible and headache later. Just lightly buzzed and a sour stomach. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... We asked Peter back because, not only because uh, we loved having him for Star Crystal, but also because... He is a very big comic book fan, and I wanted to have his thoughts about Generation X. Now, have you seen this movie before, Peter? Before we I watched before we watch this, it for this, watched it in 1996, and I remember <laughs> for about a month before watching it, I was super excited. Yeah. I was like, "This is where it all starts. This is where it's, <laughs> this is where superheroes come into the mainstream." This show is probably going to make it eight seasons. We're going to like really get into the mythology of the X Men, yeah. And and what a smart property to pick up from. I mean, uh, yeah. Generation X, written by Scott Bakula, I believe, or no, drawn by uh, Bakula, and uh, was getting written. Uh, Scott loved it. Scott, Scott Lob- Lobdell, yeah. Scott Lobdell, and I loved loved the first twenty issues of that. Uh, series. It was fantastic. Ran for a whole 75, so F you the other 55. Well, you know, comics <laughs> stay good and sometimes they get bad. And probably well, there was ad- another, there's another creative team that takes over because they, they only did it until, what, 1997? Yes. And then Larry Hama of the G.I. Joe comics comes in as a writer with air artist Terry Dodson, and they uh, they take over the series. Right, Mark? Mark was just yeah. about to jump in and I was add gonna, that. I was just about to say that. <laughs> oh, but, man. I mean, right on the tip of his tongue. And you took it from him. So you, you knew the series, though, is what you're saying. You had the first did, 20 issues. I knew too. the series. I was super excited about it because I will say, like, the first 20 issues of it, before it got weighed down by a bunch of uh, editorial edicts, uh, was really cool and really different. Chris Backwell's art, uh, to this day is still one of my favorite, but at that time it was just mind blowing how different uh, and experimental uh, that art looked, and and brought and was, in because all the other con- all the other artists of Marvel took off as they formed Image Comics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but no, I mean, I remember reading those comics and being like, "Good for them! They're starting branching on something completely new, completely different." The X Men. Uh, series needed that and they were really enjoyable characters um so when they said they're going to do generation x it felt kind of like when marvel studios said we're going to do guardians of the galaxy where i'm like ballsy how could they ever make that work um and with guardians of the galaxy they did and with this even when i watched it back in 1996 i said they did not I feel like they uh, uh, vehemently hated this comic book. Um, that, yeah, I felt like they they wanted it to. Uh, they were like, we do not want comic book movies or television shows to happen at all. So let's make this and stop it. Stop it, Gold. <laughs> That's the thing uh, about uh, Marvel back in the nineties is that kids kids today don't understand that this was part of the MCU of the time. <laughs> Of which there was not much. 
So just to let Peter know, we are going to play a little game as we go through this, as we get through the different characters. We'll play a game where we'll ask Mark, is this an original comic book character or one created for the movie? Because there are a couple that were created for the movie, and there are some that were original characters. It'll be a fun game that Mark will hate. But before we dive into, <laughs> before we dive into that, uh, this movie was directed by Jack Shoulder. Alone in the Dark, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, and my personal favorite, The Hidden. Uh, by the 1990s, he had started transitioning more into TV and specifically TV movies after 1989's Renegades failed at the box office. As he told HorrorNews.net in uh, 2018, by then I was getting more offers to do TV movies, but not so many features, at least not good ones. I seemed to get the more offbeat movie of the weeks like Generation X, Junior X-Men. Or Dark Reflections, a.k.a. Natural Selection, which is about evil clones. And I got longer shooting schedules than the usual TV movies. The nice thing about Movie of the Weeks was that, unlike features, as long as I made my days and more or less shot the script, they left me alone. And because there was less time to shoot, there was less time for discussion. And so, other than the time pressure and smaller budgets, I got to make the movies pretty much the way I wanted. Um, (laughs) Speaking of the script, it's written by Eric Blakeney a TV writer who also worked on Crime Story for New World Television. That's how he got his start. Uh, and he also worked on 21 Jump Street and was the co-creator of the spinoff, Booker. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> now, yeah. that is, uh, those of you who are an NWPP VIP will know that I loved the shit out of Booker <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, I'm sure I've said that at some point on this podcast. Yeah, we watched, Mark and I watched that show a good amount. We we were in for the Greco. We loved us some Greco. Maybe that's your mutant code name, Greco. Because at this point, there's no royalties on the the name Greco anymore. So it's it's, it's free reign. Was there ever royalties on the Greek code name? <laughs> Did he trademark so. his last name? How would God, he even pull so. that off? I hope so. I really hope so. Uh, by the way, this stars soap opera star Fanola Hughes as Emma Frost on her second, at this point, on her second stint on General Hospital before her run of All My Children, just so everybody has that timeline straight. She had also appeared in the Amy Holden Jones created series Jack's Place which only lasted for two seasons on ABC, and the 1995 HBO thriller Above Suspicion, starring Christopher Reeve and co-written by William H. Macy. Mm. Um, Hughes told Newsday in 1996, she actually said this is what attracted her to this movie. She said, uh, the thing that caught me about the script was the humor. I got the balance on... <laughs> yeah. Okay. She says, I got to balance on six six inch platforms and wear a platinum blonde blonde wig, but they turn the joke back on themselves about the way we dress and the way we look. Instead of just strutting around, I felt it was okay because there was ways to make fun of it. Mm -hmm. Did she say which part she was making fun of? Like which scene is she making fun of it? I I don't know. I don't know where that happened in the movie. Maybe when, May- when she's I'll... talking to Banshee and she's wearing the nightgown and he's like, get dressed. Oh, okay. and she's oh like, yeah, yeah, I'm I am dressed. dressed. Yeah, that's right. And just imagine they're like, cut. And she's like, <laughs> 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 like just for the next 20 minutes. Just 
laughs and laughs and laughs. We are killing this. Am I right? This is hilarious. This also stars Matt Frewer acting like Max Headroom was yesterday, when in fact he had done several things since, including one of my faves, the taking of Beverly Hills, where he plays the sidekick to Omega Syndrome's Ken Wall. Oh. He was also yep. in The Lawnmower Man 2 yeah, and was. was doing a lot of voice work at the time. And he brings a performance that makes Jim Carrey's Riddler seems grounded and gritty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Frewer was pretty aware that he was playing a big because the same article, he, he says this. This guy is supposed to be fairly twisted and bordering on insanity. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of up to you how far you take it. I decided to take it fairly far. They were actually building Fair, scenery fa- as we were Fairly far. Fairly Yeah. You could have gone further. Woo! That was and a fewer then, uh, 60%. Were... <laughs> Shit, he was holding back. You wanted 80, you wanted 60. Because <laughs> wow. I can go. I can go up from here. I can go, I can go I can up from go. here. Wow. They were actually building scenery as we were working for me to chew, he says. Uh, here's where you can watch Generation X. Really quickly, though, is it upsetting to you guys to hear that I've never seen the Godfather movies, but I've seen all the Lawnmower Mans? <laughs> <laughs> or is it Lawnmower Men? I've seen all the Lawnmower Mans. I think you're correct, it's Mans. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, a, a, a series to rival the Godfathers. <laughs> For sure. Most people put both of those two franchises next to each other for comparison. So it's also you do it. Also a series where the second one is better than the first one, right? Yeah. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Indeed. Right. Ron Mar Man 2 is the man. <laughs> If looks could kill in the movie theaters. Oh, yeah. I Richard thought... we, we're, we, we get it, Greco. <laughs> we thought, know you did, Greek. I fucking loved that movie. And I just, I'm like, shit, I got to watch that one again. <laughs> you guys keep talking. Is it, is it upsetting to, to people listening to this podcast that Mark has seen all of The Godfathers, but loved <laughs> If Looks Could Kill? <laughs> That's the movie he mentioned that he loved. Yeah. Yeah. It's a damn good movie. Killing you. I mean, yeah. He deserved better. Uh, He deserved better. He did. I will. I agree. He did deserve better. Uh, Here's where you can watch the movie it is on YouTube exclusively, but there are several versions. There is one that is the most prominent that comes up, which I think is the one that we all watched. But as I searched further into the YouTubes, I found that there was one with original commercials in there. So you can watch a version oh, like that. Then, oh, I watch that oh. Which I did not get to watch, but I wish I had because it would have been fun to see the commercials. Yeah. Then there was one where it's in sections and you can... I would recommend watching it with the commercials because there, without, there are some cuts in there that are upsetting. <laughs> that only a commercial break could heal. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That is absolutely fair. There are some fair. cuts that you're like, whoa, wait, what? Where in the hell are we? And then I had to remind myself, like, this aired on television. Right. So you probably right. just finished up a commercial for, like, Sun In. So now I need to, like, get back into the movie. <laughs> you know where we got to put our advertising dollars? Generation X. Sun In, get- and then it'll caress before you dress, and right back oh, to the movie. Oh, yes! <laughs> Tonight's movie. 
Generation X will continue. The Fox Tuesday Night Movie is brought to you by Pantene Pro-V Shampoo and Pro-V Treatment Conditioner for hair so healthy it shines. Now, this time as we talk about what this movie is about, Mark, what is Generation X about? This is a first draft, like an early first draft of Nightmare on Elm Street, where Freddy looks more like Max Headroom, and it was shot as an episode of Goosebumps. <laughs> wow. 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 Mark if you did not like this movie. <laughs> oh, that is a tough, tough synopsis. Wow. If you've ever watched I, any of the original Goosebumps episodes, this is shot just like them. All the, the ridiculous colors, the odd camera angles. It It's it's trying to be kind of funny, but also a little scary. Hmm. Uh, Mark's seen all the goosebumps. I have. That I have. <laughs> that yeah. I have. Mark is going to try to talk about the... how he, he didn't like this movie, but loves If Looks Could Kill. <laughs> <laughs> Again, hated this, though. Loved If Looks Could Kill. Mm-hmm. It sounds but like he's this... kind of sweet on the goosebumps as well. I don't know. I... Pretty sweet on the goosebumps. <laughs> if this had just been a half hour and, and, and appeared on Nickelodeon, I would have been in. I would have been into this. But I mean, we'll get into the the my my the, the thing I loved about this movie, uh, and we got some time to go. We've got some things to talk about. But there is an element of this movie that I really loved. <laughs> and, yeah. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right. Peter, what is Generation X about? In a world where Imagine Saved by the Bell was the universe, <laughs> there exists a school in New York called what was it called? They go to a special school, but I think it's called... What do they call the school? Do you remember the school name? It's Xavier Institute. Imagine this world that looks like Saved by the Bell, but there's mutants in it, uh, and a government that's trying to control mutants. How are teenage mutants supposed to survive? Well, by trying to do their best to pass as humans. And they had to do their best to pass as humans in 1996, meaning... All the men are skeevy as hell. I mean, just <laughs> horrible. I mean, part of the reason I choose my mutant code name as Wine Cooler because because the other name I would have given myself to describe the vibes coming off of this movie might have been a little too harsh. But it rhymes with Roofie. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, what is this movie about? I mean, for me, it just felt like, can't people just dream? Do you really need like a machine and help and we're going to travel through the dreams? You already have mutant powers. It's too much. It's its own dimension. Yeah. Dream is its own dimension. Yeah. That's what we learned in this movie. Basically, don't tap into the dream world. It's not safe. That's what I I learned. I agree with all this. I felt like this was- You do? Yeah. Oh, well, that's kind. Yeah. That's very oh kind gosh. of you. Uh, I thought this movie was about the teen experience of the 1990s, back when teens loved to dance to Tom Waits in Botanical Gardens. <laughs> that's, that's what we did. That's what we did. All the time. And various hats. I think another thing this movie could be about is that if you can see the image in those auto stereograms, you're a fucking superhero. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> I can see a camel and there's a pyramid behind it. Oh, Superhero. Yeah. You're a super that's true. Wait, what are those things called? Audio auto stereograms. It's a 2D image. It's in a repeated pattern that hides a 3D object. Wasn't it oft, oh. often often called like magic eye though? Wasn't that Yeah, what that's what I know it as. Magic eye. <laughs> Whatever you want to call you it, you know. Audio are you are you crunching the numbers on the magic eye? <laughs> yeah, holy shit! Well, uh, I did. No I did a little I research. See it. I didn't even know what it was called. <laughs> Mark, I'd like to say I'd like to say thank you for the technical name of the magic eye. That way, it makes me feel less bad that I could never make one of those three D images. Of me too. I can never ma- see it it's either. Not a magic eye. It's this scientific thing. Yeah. Just relax and concentrate, Peter. Just relax hmm. and concentrate. That's how you do it. I could yeah. never see it. Could you see it? Could any of you see it? I no. occasionally would see them, yeah. Yeah, yeah I could it's see it. Wine cooler's greatest what? weakness. Ah, same with Famble. Famble can't see well, shit when it comes to magic. Grico, Grico had that shit Are you unlocked. changing your mutant name <laughs> yeah. mid-show? Look, it depends on where you are regionally. Some some places say Famble, some say Fomble, some say Fumble. <laughs> It just depends on where you are the dialect. Okay. Got it. Got it. You know? So let sense. me ask you if 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 um Banshee were to say it, it with his outrageous accent. Oh how my would god. He pronounce it. Which mine? Yes. Famba. 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 Ah, don't you know, Mark? That's how you're talking. You say Famba. Wine cooler. Are you ready? Do you like your new outfit? Hey, Greco. <laughs> Here's the letterbox synopsis for oh, Generation no. X. We're on Letterbox. Give us a follow. Peter, are you on Letterbox? I don't think so. I'll get you on. Go on and you log movies you watch. Ooh, I you like know? the That's odds of that. There's a chance that you <laughs> might not be. yet. No, we'll there's see. so. Many, I'll be honest. There's so many websites I've gone on to where it's like create an account and then it's suddenly like we already have you registered. Did you forget your password? And I'm like, I forgot I ever did anything on this website. <laughs> <laughs> so the, <laughs> And that's where you just go, you know what then? Forget it. Never mind. I did it years ago, completely forgot. It's, it's going go to go to a Going to go to a Hotmail account I'll never see again. <laughs> that's the old me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, new me doesn't worry about that stuff anymore. Uh, All right, here it is. A group of young mutants, humans, with a genetic variation that gives them superpowers and makes them feared by the population at large, begin training at a school for heroes. (laughs) I'm sorry. Mutants, but we're heroes, but we're humans, but we're... Sorry, please continue. (laughs) Their studies are interrupted when they must... (laughs) Studies. They're, they're making it look like studies? they're just like studying. Their studies are interrupted when they must rescue one of their one of their number from a one of their number from a mad scientist who can enter others' dreams. Also, he's mm. not a scientist. Even the description. No. He he's, he's a doctor. Yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. No, he was not. He's a doctor. Yeah. He's a he's, he's a part doctor. of the early. Yeah, in the very beginning of the Tim and Emma, five years earlier, working in a laboratory, he was a doctor. He's like, "What? You're just gonna let, not let me get these brains? You're not gonna let me get a mutant yeah. brain? Come on!" To me, that's Green's doctor. Trash. He's Doctor Russell Trash, and he it doesn't then say doctor. Used his scientific says- wiles to work in advertising. <laughs> 
as yeah. the progression into advertising usually goes. <laughs> was, yeah. When you lose your 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 license to practice medicine, you downgrade into being a strategist in advertising. I, I believe I believe he, <laughs> Did you go to MIT cuz we really need somebody to work on this new account. <laughs> I believe it. I believe <laughs> We don't know how to sell these these pizza rolls. <laughs> so your your residency was at the Mayo Clinic, but I see you've also worked in the tobacco industry. So tell us about that. <laughs> oh. oh man, yeah, he was a scientist. Um, but I, I love say so. I, to me, he's just a lawnmower man. <laughs> it made it seem the, the the synopsis makes it seem though like they were all just literally hitting the books, and then they're like. They definitely attend some classes. What we don't ever see them do is study. Yeah. Not a single time. But the only class we see them attend is magic eye class. <laughs> I was going to say. That's the only class we see them in is the magic eye class. Nothing else. Other than yeah. that, they're just kind of wandering through the halls. They only have one teacher. It's just Emma Frost. She's well, here. and then the, Banshee's always... behind her, just observing. <laughs> but there's only. I'm just making also... sure all the education is up to snuff. Well, hold on. You only need one teacher when you have six students. And to be yeah, fair, there's like no one there. That's true. That's and to true. be fair, they almost lost their school when everyone had a big sp- <laughs> "I am Spartacus" moment. <laughs> like, yeah. like, they, she almost kicked out the entire student body. Yeah. All right, then you're expelled also. Guilty as charged. Me too. Why don't you all pack? Banshee's like, hold the, hold the phone. You see, we'll have no students left. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but, and also, they have six students in this giant mansion. And this is, they've got the, the, the Brady Bunch problem here. Where, even though it's a huge yeah. mansion... They all have to share a bedroom and yep. the same bathroom? Yep. What one the bathroom, fuck is in the one bathroom. Two <laughs> what, bedrooms. What? Two bedrooms, one bathroom. We've, we have we have given an entire wing over to this dream machine that I keep well, behind a locked door, I, but under a perfect spotlight. Right. And Emma Frost needs her be- her bedroom with her four-post bed with full <laughs> curtains on it. Right. And I understand that a rock this. climbing wall takes space. I get that. But this is a huge Was that house. in the school? Was <laughs> yes. that in the school? Yes. Yes, yeah. it was. Oh, yeah. Was okay. School. Got it. That's the danger room. Okay. That's, I got it. <laughs> oh, the, da- oh, the danger room. <laughs> Wasn't it? Don't you think that's it, what it was? No, it, absolutely it is. It's just, again, um, I love that it's a big rock climbing wall. <laughs> and I'm not We're a mutant. So like, God. Oh, it's the danger room. Like perfectly, just that's fine. made it all right. It made it all correct yeah. in your mind. Oh, it's the danger room. Got it. Got it. Got oh, it. Okay. okay. Got it. Well, first of all, I was about to be outraged, and I was like, "You can build a rock wall in your own house. This is incredible news." You bet oh, you can. Danger room? But it's the danger room. Well, it's now, but it's okay. not. Now it makes it's sense. not. It's not dangerous. Let's let's face facts. I right. am not a mutant. I would struggle. With that rock wall, I'm not saying it'd be easy <laughs> for me, but if I had to go up that rock wall, would I ever feel I was in danger, even when a metal log comes at me? <laughs> no, because the the camera work and the show itself makes it clear there's plenty of time to see that log detach and slowly make its way toward you. <laughs> um, of course. Mm. 
So not exactly uh, dangerous. Well, they were more... first years. They were first years, Peter. So hmm. is, is Banshee it... doing all the cooking, cleaning, lawn yeah. mowing? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of upkeep in this mansion. Matt Frewer well, is like doing all the, the lawn fire? mowing. He's well, doing... <laughs> Matt Frewer is a lawnmower man, okay? He does all the lawn mowing. <laughs> <laughs> But also, can we just say the only time we see Banshee, he's asleep by a fireplace. So, like, does he not have central heat? He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Right. He doesn't have his own room. That is just a room that he sleeps in. It is the fireplace room. It's a pull-out leather chair, and he just sleeps in it. He's like, "Do you think you could put me in my own bedroom?" Like. The rock climbing room. It, it's. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We oh needed to take your bedroom uh, to put in that giant funny. rock rock climbing wall. <laughs> Incidentally, you have already been more consistent with his Irish accent than he is through the entire movie. <laughs> I like in his softer moments. He's just like, yeah, hey, what's going on? Are you all right? Hey, now I'm back in. Like he can't, he can't do it unless he raises his voice. I took like a clip. I took a clip of one of them because uh, it, he also switches to what can only, at least for me, be a, a Minnesota accent at the end. It seems mm. like he's mixing the two. Security protocol Z12. Mutant orientation. Here in zones one through four A. <laughs> Is that Canadian at the end? What happened there? Yes, he is a this is, he is a Canadian actor. Jeremy Ratchford is a Canadian actor who appeared in The Vindicator, directed by Cover Girls Jean Claude Lord. Oh, uh, he was in Prom Night Three and 1992's Unforgiven. Well, I don't think you guys understand how hard accent work is. I'm well, pretty good at it. You're pretty good at it. Yeah, you. I you know, understand you the struggle. It. Yeah, because I'm pretty strong at it. So. <laughs> By the way, Mark, did you uh, so far Emma Emma Frost and Banshee are these yeah. characters that are from the comic book or are they invented for the movie? Um, I think I've heard Emma Frost before, so I'm going to say that she's part of the 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 comic book. Banshee, the fact that the name is Banshee and an Irish accent, it's throwing me off. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure. I, I'm going to say. Emma Frost, yes. Banshee, no. And they are both from the comic book. Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. Does the comic book also have a cold open that that plays more like a parody of a superhero movie? Give us a nice clean cut, Georgie, or we're going to send you back to beauty school. <laughs> little inside humor helps break the tension. Russell, we need to talk. I what I love about that particular scene is that Matt Fur Fur Matt Fur Matt Fur he wants to like cut cut open open a brain yeah a a mutant's brain and she stops him by using her powers how great question uh, Ryan great question because that's something we should get into which is other than Banshee and Skin, what exactly are everybody's powers? Because, mm-hmm. well, like, it's confusing. Very well, confusing. It, it if, is, but- if you were to watch this movie alone, as Mark has, so we'll have Mark ask, what are Emma Frost's powers? 
What could well, she here's do? The thing. In this in this opening scene, all she does is whip up some wind on them. That's it. He's through. That's his punishment. So she conjures up some wind, not enough to cause any real damage or destroy nope. anything, but just enough to annoy you. Mark, I would say more than she does more than annoy, because what she does do is create a raging incel in that moment that then (laughs) attacks Generation X five years later. Because boy, okay, Matt Matt Fuhrer's character he really hates women. Really hates women after this. Yes, Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. But she she though, did she even create wind? Or was she just know. doing like a little dream work to save the guy who had the claw hand who was who was on the, the mutant table. on the table, right? Yeah. Yeah. A good old good old claw hand. What One was of, his immune that, ability? Claw that hand. famous that famous mutant from X-Men lore, Claw Hand. <laughs> just, yeah. Um, I, I yeah. I don't know. It just seemed to me like she would have been just as effect- she would have been just as effective in that moment if she just let out a roaring fart and walked away. That comes later, Mark. That later. comes later. That's later. We get to the farts later. We will. So many but, farts. So many farts. But here's the thing, Peter. What are Emma Frost's powers uh, in this show or in the comics? In in reality, in, 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 in reality, the character. in reality, in the character. Right. These characters are real, Mark. These characters are real. <laughs> the character is known for having the ability Jesus. telepathy, meaning she can read people's thoughts. Um, yes. In later comic books, she ends up getting diamond hard skin. But at this time in 1986, she was only a telepath. She could not create wind. Um, there seems to be confusion between telepathy and telekinesis, which is telekinesis. You can move stuff with your mind. Yes. Um, I was like, do they think she's Jean Grey? Because she does not. And it also was funny is that she creates that sort of wind-like stuff. And and Matt Frewer just is like, Emma! <laughs> Almost like, <laughs> hey, this is annoying. Knock it off. <laughs> like he would scold a teen, you know, like, hey! It was like, open a window. You just like, farted. And We're she just puts her here. finger up. She puts her finger yeah. up and then she walks out. Yeah. Like, also like a teen. Yeah. And then Matt Fior got into a message board and said, you won't believe what this woman did to me at work today. She put a finger in front of me and all I was trying to do was take a mutant's brain. Just a claw-headed boy's brain. He's going to the, he's going to the camps anyway. He's a useless mutant. <laughs> screw women (laughs) his powers are going click 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 and then all the crabs on the beach run towards him that's it (laughs) he's only good at a seafood buffet that's his only power that's all he can do um, Uh. we we do meet Skin he's one of the first mutants that we actually meet (laughs) I hate that that's his name why isn't his name Stretch (laughs) because that's a good question. That's a good question. But before we get to the uh, to why, Mark, is Skin a comic book character or one they created for the movie? Definitely a comic book character. Definitely. Indeed. He's a comic book character. And 
uh, Peter, what is he like in the comic book? Well, I mean, he is from uh, East Los Angeles. Um, and the whole idea behind him was they wanted to show a mutant that wasn't, uh, that not all mutant powers were physically attractive or were powerful, that you could end up with a power that could really truly make you feel ostracized and look like a, a, a like an outsider. So he just, he could stretch, but it wasn't like, Mr. Fantastic, where it all stays together. But yeah. It was like gross and kind of waxy. And he had a hard time keeping his form together in the comic books, which was, uh, you know, an interesting choice. And here, I would check to see if his sister's a mutant because the way that she was able to hold on to his hand and not let go as he was driving, <laughs> as he was driving away, um, was remarkable. <laughs> Oh my god, yes. Yeah, I was like, does she have something against him? She's like, hell with you, buddy. I'm holding on to you, jackass. Why? Everyone's screaming at him, like, why are you making a scene? He's yelling, don't do this. He's screaming in pain. And she's just like, no, motherfucker. I got you. I got your hand. I felt like it was just more of a, like, she. I didn't feel like it was vindictive. Did I read it wrong? I don't no, know. It was I don't, super I pixelated. No so maybe I read it yeah, wrong. Erica, yeah. I don't think you read it wrong. I'm I agree with you. I think their intention was she's losing her brother. She's gonna miss her brother. Yeah. This is so sad. She loves him so much she won't let go of his hand. But yeah. I have to question if you love your brother and you know this stretching causes him immense pain. Right. Why? Why are, why are you still holding on? Like it's just like yeah. I love you. Keep screaming. Keep screaming. Right. Because it's either a vindictive thing, or she's just like, I want to see that weird skin stretchy thing one last time before he's gone. Like either way, it's not cool. So why does it hurt him? It does that in the comic too, right? Like it it's a painful process. It's, it's a painful, painful? process. It gets better yeah. over time, but it starts off as a painful process, you know. Um, and I would say the only other difference from the comic book is uh, where he came from didn't look like Pasadena in 1955. Um, I do love <laughs> in the show that he's like, I'm from the tough streets, man. There's gangs everywhere. But when we meet this kid, it is nothing but beautiful manicured lawns. And like a, a, a well that, like red house with what? a painted white fence. I'm like, huh? <laughs> what an idyllic life he led. Yeah. And then he gets into... A truck from that looks like a like a like a farmer drove out from the fifties and a yeah. farm to come into the city to pick him up and drive him to school. It's Xavier Institute, or really the bus stop. Right. As soon as we meet Skin and he gets in the car, then we're like, "Cool, we met that guy." Ten minute break. We'll get back to him in a while because we gotta meet Jubilation Lee in the arcade. Um, Mark. Jubilation Lee, is that a comic book character or created for the film? Uh, it has to be because that fucking name is ridiculous. That has to actually have come from a comic book. Also, yellow lipstick. I mean, even even hackers wouldn't have taken that that deep of a dip into, oh, man. into Gen X fashion. That, talk that was talk a... about the what a fantastic double that would be, this and hackers. It's oh, like, yeah. it is literally every touchstone of the 90s I can think of rolled into two films. Like, that like, is, if, is everything. If halfway in this movie, a Lisa Loeb song started, I would have been like, wow, mm-hmm. everything has come together in this movie. <laughs> they make an Edie Brickell reference. <laughs> I just need you to identify them. They wouldn't give us their real names. 
That one says he's Eddie Vedder. That one says he's Eddie Van Halen. That one says he's Eddie Munster. And that one says she's Edie Brickell. Eddie Vedder, Eddie Van Halen, Edie Brickell. They're yeah. like, she's going to stick around. They go. <laughs> and Hootie the Blowfish. Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> Make a Hootie oh, and the Blowfish they... reference. Yeah. Can I help you? Officers Hootie and Blowfish with the Bureau of Mutant Affairs. We're here to transport the mutant to a rehabilitation center. <laughs> right. Um, so this, she is from a comic book, right? Jubilee at first appeared in Uncanny X-Men number 244, an issue I do own, humble brag. <laughs> oh. Uh, um, uh, yeah, and she was a sidekick to Wolverine for years. Many years, yeah. Which I was, at the especially back then, was like, why? This girl who can create fireworks? What are the two of yeah. them going to do? This is, just seems like an odd mix. Okay, well, let's, we, yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes a Wolverine and a Sparkle Hands, you know, it works. Well, outside of, like, the fact that he was trying to protect her, and yeah. so she, she brought out something of him, like, trying to she protect her. She needed a daddy. Oh, That's boy. Ryan, don't oh, you remember boy. that? <laughs> oh. Don't you remember that oh, X-Men run? Jubilee. Come on, guys. Jubilee. Jubilee wanted a daddy. She got but it. But she didn't need a daddy. She saved Wolverine. She saved Wolverine from the Reavers when she, she took the teleportation with Portal to Australia to the X-Men's hidden base. The Reavers came in to take back that base. Jubilationly ah, had to save Wolverine. <laughs> At that point, mm-hmm. they teleported away to China, where she ended up becoming uh, controlled by the Mandarin. And then Wolverine had to fight the Mandarin, and they also found Psylocke. Because at this point, everyone had gone through a teleportation portal, and all the X-Men had lost their memories. So it wasn't really much a daddy-daughter relationship. It was literally convenience. What am I going to do with this kid? Just drop her off in China? Listen, Ryan, remember your comic books, please. <laughs> you are 100% correct. You were... Yeah. I'm like, yep, yeah. you're taking me back through it. Oh, believe me. Um, I uh, I think Mark I, and I could probably just sign off. And you guys could yeah, I'm, I'm going to. I was like, do I, 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 I have all those out. issues. I have all those issues. <laughs> well, go watch if looks can kill right issues, now. But yet. And yet. Well, and I'm just yet. saying. I still, back then as a kid, I was frustrated. I'm saying I was frustrated then. I'm not frustrated now. I was frustrated then. Let's get into it. Jubilation Lee is played by Heather McComb, who previously appeared in a couple number twos. Kickboxer 2, written by Blade screenwriter David S. Goyer, and Beethoven 2nd. Yep. And would go on to a long... I've also seen all the Beethovens. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How do they hold a candle to the lawnmower mans? uh, Oh, God, they're so much better. They're better? Better. Better better than the lawnmower mans. The Beethovens are so good. Now people are frustrated. (laughs) The Beethovens are so good. Uh, if you love dogs, if you don't love dogs, then the lawnmower mans are so good. <laughs> she is still way. working, though. I have to say, Heather McCombs still at it, still working in a lot of uh, various TV projects. She is not, however, as far as I know, Asian, like the character in the comics, which is uh, a, 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 a disappointing element of her casting, to be sure, and uh, a hurdle for fans of the character, um, considering this is probably also... The biggest role that Ju- Jubilee gets in any adaptation yeah, of oh, absolutely. any yeah. of the X-Men movies that have, that have come out. However, Jack Shoulder explained in a 2015 interview with Sci-Fi that the script did not mention her ethnicity. Because he says if it had said that she was of Chinese descent, I, I would have cast her that way. But that is not what was in the script. 
Um, Way to blame it on the writer. Good job. <laughs> she was like, not me. Not my fault. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't do it. Not me. Well, I mean, you know, uh, th- this movie it is not exactly all a bunch of white people. So, I mean, it does make sense that he would do it, do that. But uh, it is kind of an odd thing. that. But Heather McComb is pretty good in it. It's just you have to look past the fact that she's not Asian, which she really is in the comics. Do you think um, that James Vanderbeek saw her in this and then that's why he chose to marry her? She was formerly <laughs> married to James Vanderbeek. And if you must know, because I did look it up, her sister was in an episode of Dawson's Creek and introduced them. And that's how she met oh. James Vanderbeek. Oh. Oh. Yeah, and Heather McComb is managed by her mom, I believe. So, anyway, hmm. yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I look, do yeah. I know too much about Heather McComb? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Wait, hold on. name McComb. Yes, Heather McComb. McComb. <laughs> is Heather McComb still being managed by her mom at this point? According to IMDb Pro? Problematic. Problematic. Oh, my God. Keep going. Uh, At this point, her mom has doesn't want that job anymore. She's no. like, can you just fucking find a manager? Am, she's still I working. She's I'm working exhausted. on a bunch of stuff. She's done a yeah. bunch of stuff. Her I know, like, and her mom her is exhausted. doing a great job. <laughs> Mom's like cashing some checks. Yeah. She's like, I'm not putting this in your college fund. That was a long time ago. This is going to me. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't speak for you guys only for myself, but I think my mom quit working for me years ago. So you know what, Mrs. McComb? That's yeah, good for her. Yes, uh, they go into this whole thing with Jubilee, and then we finally get back to Skin at the at the uh, bus station. I'm really bothered that his name is Skin and not Stretch. It really bothers me that it's Skin. Mm. Well, there's a th- yeah. I mean, there's I'm a just thing gonna about keep interrupting everyone's train of thought by saying that really bothers me. There's a thing about him that I think would make a lot more sense. I have not. I had not read Generation X because in the '90s, after this long run of X-Men that that Peter has just gone through, and I got into the '90s, got got. I I decided I was not into superhero comics anymore. I was going to read indie comics oh, and go indie. I was going to go indie, which is. You know, just saying, I, I, what it wasn't nerdy enough, and I have to go deeper. <laughs> I got to dig even deeper. Yeah. You know, sorry, I'm spending my money now on eight ball. That's what I'm <laughs> spending my money on, not these stupid superhero comics. Uh, anyway, so that's what I was doing. So I didn't read Generation X, and so. Um, where was I going with this? Uh, I don't know. You were taking a deep dive into your... Yeah, into my personal history, which is why people tuned in. And so the thing about... But the thing about Skin, so I'm asking Peter if he can verify this, is his whole thing is that he has a, kind of got a gray skin, as he was yes. mentioning. He kind of looks really kind of unattractive. Yes. Which I don't know if that was originally written into the script because part of his whole journey is like... I sees this pretty girl and he's into her and then he wants to kind of get to know her, but he does something creepy instead, which is that he enters her dreams because he yes. finds this dream machine instead of like talking to her like a human oh. being. Oh, but how are you going to talk to her? How's he going to talk to her? 
if he was if he was all gray and his skin was kind of drooping off of him like in the comic book, which is like he has too much skin. That's how he uh, kind of is. Oh, in the comic book he's yes. gross? Yeah. Because no, I like thought this makes... kid was very good looking. And and looking up the actor now, Augustin Rodriguez, I'm like, okay. Like, he's no, a good he, looking guy. Yeah. He, was, he was very good looking on the show. And I think like... Based on what they must have had for special effects, you could not have done like, oh, my face is melting all the time, which yeah. is why they yeah. shoved his face in the ice cream, which is the closest that it could get. Um, and I'll be honest <laughs> with you, there's something to me that like even in 1996, I was like, who's hanging out at an ice cream shop? And ordering right. banana splits at this point, like it's right. this yeah. weird and thing. Wasn't it fifties themed? It felt like one of those, like I don't know, was well, it, they, they it were hanging out with Johnny theme. Rockets or something? You can't throw a rock <laughs> in the nineties without hitting a fifties diner for some reason. It's annoying. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and this is Fox too, so they're like, we got to create our peach pit now. Um, but <laughs> like, this is what the kids want. They want a diner um, that'll eventually every become kid a- had a fifties diner hangout. This is the kids. <laughs> they only know about kids through their own TV shows. Right? <laughs> <It's the only laughs> uh, to be fair, the CW still does it, where it's like, well, this is the progression of a character. We all hang out in a coffee shop. Some character then owns the coffee shop. Then they decide we need a speakeasy in the basement of this coffee shop. Now it's a <laughs> bar right like and <laughs> right, this right. i could see so clearly that at some point mondo would have been like i'm running the diner now it's mondo's place <laughs> <laughs> but also, when you came in here and they put your face in a sunday not in mondo's joint i'll hold on to that sunday turn my whole body into a sunday and like, just go right onto their face <laughs> too is this is also <laughs> very awesome ne- if he would have absorbed the the, 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 the sunday yeah. from like sunday oh but he actually says on the show he doesn't like jello i can become as solid as anything i touch man wood rock steel it's all good what happens when you eat jello is it <laughs> and you know i don't like jello i know you don't like jello that was he's very funny which mm-hmm. is throughout the show a very inconsistent power because mm-hmm. it feels like Anything you're touching, you should be changing all the goddamn time. Yeah. Yeah, like so why t- is he playing football? Why? Exactly. <laughs> that just like doesn't his, seem like a problem. Like his natural state should be cotton and denim. Like, because he's <laughs> right. fucking wearing clothes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Plus, just, like that, a strong that, wind blows. If Emma creates one of those strong winds, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, with her mind this, powers this scene brings up like one of the one of those things that used to happen in the 90s i don't think the kids re- realize you know that doesn't happen today but back in the 90s everybody you'd be sitting at a 50s diner and you take a bite out of your burger and someone would slide out of you from across the room and take a bigger bite and then it was fucking on who's gonna <laughs> eat this food faster bite contest <laughs> It was a bite contest. Can I drink this whole milkshake in a second? Yes, I can. <laughs> Who's going to puke first? That's the game, right? Yeah, it's the game. It's the game. That's it. That's it. Whose who's lactose intolerance will kick in faster? It was a wild, wild world before cell phones and what we had to do for That's all we had. I know. And then if That's someone pushed your had. face, someone pushed your face in ice cream, you never stood up for yourself. Ever. Ever. No, like, no. I would absolutely puke if somebody pushed my face in ice cream. That's my fucking like, nightmare. 
My thing with it is, I would say, like, um, I was not a bully in my high school, but boy, was I around and saw a lot of bullies in my high school. And even the the weakest of uh, the student body, if they had their head pushed into food, it was never a sheepish, oh, well, I guess I'm going to get out of here. It was like... People will get their face pushed into food just to see them wildly react and try to kill people. They had no chance of beating up. And to watch this guy who has mutant powers just be like, all right. And then his classmates don't do anything. Don't do anything either. Nope. Nope. But I feel like what's he going to do? Like they push his face in ice cream and then he's just going to be like, my arms are long. Ah! Yeah, they, they like, what's he gonna do? They cut out the scene where Mono then started eating a, a Sunday, just like putting it in his face and just eating it really fast. Like, yeah, take that. I can eat a whole Sunday faster than yeah. you. Well, so now you you can't blame him for stalking his love interest in her dreams then. Because once, I mean, that was his only, that was all he had left at that moment. Well, I just think right? that it would have made played so much better. I can see like the conceit of the script if that's what they were going with to like make him this guy who's kind of an ugly and attractive dude who couldn't really honestly talk to girls. This you know? movie also brings up though like another thing that's forgotten on kids today. In the 90s, everyone hung out at carnivals. Big time. <laughs> Big time. That was Yeah. That was the thing to fucking do. Are you that talking about are you talking about Carney 90s? You talking about the Carney 90s? Yeah. Fuck yeah, nothing but the Carney Vals. Like what is funny about that is that when they go into town and they go to the diner, they have to ask for the keys. They're like, "Can we please go? We just want to go and go head into town." And Banshee's like, ha, pa, 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 pa. "I don't know if I want you driving me car." But <laughs> then immediately folds. But like, immediately folds. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then but when it comes to carnival there's no setup they're just they're at a carnival yeah. i mean come on you're gonna go to a carnival i mean but I mean, there's no having to talk to anyone into it they're it's playing like, carnival yeah. games they're rocking out to let her cry you know what i mean like <laughs> yes yes yeah they are <laughs> it worked in the lost boys it can work in this i mean hanging out in carnivals is what you do but also, yeah. I had no issue with the dream thing because I don't know about you guys, but all my dreams are just stressful work dreams that I'm always trying to wake myself up from. So if all of a sudden some hunky guy was like dancing around me to Tom Waits in a botanical garden, I'd be like, hell yeah, finally. This is you know great. What? Also because that's what every teen did in the 90s. So it really would feel familiar and right. I would have no problem with it if they hadn't set up in this show that this dream master guy like is trying to brainwash people and knows how to brainwash people through the dreamscape and meets this kid and goes, So you got designs on that sweet little cantaloupe. Well, you're in luck. Because all Russ is your guardian dream angel. So what can you do? What can I do? It, it, it also is Matt uh, Frewer not playing that. Frewer. Not played that. Frewer. If he didn't play, if he played that with just a little less intensity, because it's like the way he's playing it is like 
How would you trust this guy? But Ryan, that was him at 60%. Imagine if he did 100. Imagine. Imagine. Speaking of his big plot, let's let's listen. This is how he Matt Frewer explains what he's up to in the beginning of the movie. For many scenes, he comes in just to continue to talk about, this is what I'm going to do. But let's hear what he is going to do. This is his big plan. I'll start from the beginning. Okay? Real slow. Dreams! Or another dimension, Bobby. Can you grasp that? You know, like uh, Freddy Krueger. This machine allows me to step into anybody's dreams. You know how I use subconscious images in our uh, advertising? Well, with this machine, I can get directly into anybody's dreams and make suggestions like buy Slick Lips lipstick or play Virtua Fighter video games. Only this will be a thousand times more effective because I'm going straight into their brains. And how are you supposed to do that? (laughs) Trust me, Bobby boy, it's a little advanced for you. Russell... This is also crazy sounding. You said the same thing about my other ideas four years ago, but everything I said I could do, I've done. And now you're a chicken millionaire. Did this come out before or after Ace Ventura Pet yeah, Detective? Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Because right. this is that's that that's Ace Ventura, right? Like if <laughs> your mean, eyes are closed. Yeah. That's Ace Ventura. How are you this afternoon? Alrighty then. Oh, definitely. Oh, so I've seen all the Ace Venturas, too. That's right. God, it must be so upsetting. <laughs> and again, mm-hmm. this is the guy that's coming to you going, I'll help you get the dame. And he's like, sounds good. Which again, makes sense if he's a guy who's super socially awkward because he's got this weird looking skin and he doesn't yeah. know how to talk to it. But he's not a weird looking dude. That helps me a bit knowing that the character in the comic book which I'm unfamiliar with of skin has gross skin and is socially awkward. That helps me a little bit because one of the things I really struggled with in this movie was like, why is everybody so mean to him? Like to, and to so each mean to him. and to each other. I have a question guys. When you were in high school, did you have friends? <laughs> Lots of them. Did because... I ever, did I, did I ever call one of my friends a heifer? No, <laughs> never, <Right>. never. <laughs> this seems yeah. like a bunch of people that are like, I can't imagine going into a room of like, this is a group of people that share a secret part of yourself. They also have the exact same thing. And everyone's like, fuck you, 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 you're not cool. And you like everybody was yeah. like, they are so aggressively angry at one another to start. They, yeah. They're out there in a field playing, what, uh, two-on-two football? football? Well, what's your dazzle? Thermal flexibility manipulation. His skin stretches. His skin stretches? For what? <laughs> also, the boundaries of this football game are not are ill-defined. I don't know where the end zone is. <laughs> who's true. the quarterback? That's true. That's very it's, true. They didn't even pick, like, who's playing on whose team? And there was no shirts and skins. I'm like, how do you know who you're throwing? Well, there was, just, skins. That was That was a skin. <laughs> but but that it's because of that aggression that you get awesome lines like, what's your dazzle? 
Mm-hmm. Which is <laughs> yeah. a, which is a saying that I've never I, so I never true. knew existed until I watched this movie. Which is an appropriate question because that's what she does. <laughs> but that's true. But Mark, you are a little bit older than us, so you weren't around when oh! we were all saying what's her dazzle to each other. Yeah, right. <laughs> you just missed it, Mark. You, you just missed it. Just missed so what's I, was, I was part of the generation that said shit like that's totally kosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wow, that sounds weird. I wouldn't. That's not familiar because I was saying, "What's your dazzle?" <laughs> As perfectly documented in this movie. Same with that's totally kosh. When he said that, I was like, "That guy gets me." Let's 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 quickly talk about these characters. Rest of these characters. Mondo. Please. We already talked about him. He's played by Bumper Robinson, who had done a lot of TV coming into this, including Amen and A Different World. Uh, and is now a prominent voiceover actor. That's what he does. Yeah, now. and what's told in the show, his hair looks like pubic hair. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That wow. was like, yeah. It's wow. not as bad as later when Matt Frewer tells Monet that Hang on a minute, honey. I'm just gonna get my very white albums. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. so many what? That's not <laughs> inappropriate, unfortunate lines in this. Yeah, Mark Mondo is he a comic book character or was he made up for the movie? I don't feel like Mondo is a creative enough name. It feels like that. That's a that's a name that someone that writes a the a Goosebumps script would give to somebody. So I'm going. I'm going with fake. I, I think that one was added in. Peter. Mondo was part of the original team of Generation X, but he was, in fact, <gasps> a secret traitor implanted to destroy the team. Wow. Well, it sounded fake to me. We we also have Refrax or Kurt, because that's what he's called predominantly <laughs> yeah. in this movie. He's not called by his code When you were saying that earlier, I was like, I don't know who you were talking yeah, about. Are you I talking don't... about my guy, Kurt? Okay. Yeah, Kurt is what Kurt. he's called, right? He doesn't get called a cool name like Wine Cooler. No, he's too, busy, he's too busy calling other people terrible names throughout this. Yes, God. Yeah, he's hurtful. He goes on a ride. Like, he really, oh, man. Anyway, he was uh, was also in Beethoven's second. No. He was a struggling actor at the time. And he does some TV shows and stuff. But from there, he becomes, even around the time of this, he starts becoming a very popular photographer. That's what he does now. He's a celebrity photographer, uh, has his own oh, website. Wow. Like cool. this is what he does for a living, his own book. Mark, Kurt, is he a combo character or was he made up for the movie? And his 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 character name is what again? It's Refrax. He keeps yeah. talking about how his eyes haven't activated yet, which seems strange that he's at the school, but his powers haven't activated. <laughs> seems unclear what his powers are. Well, he can exactly. shoot those beams. Well, that comes later, stuff. though. That it's the X-ray later. vision, which which he oh, says right. hasn't quite. When he's making out uh, with Buff, yes, yeah, I, correct. I, to me, it, the, it there seems to be too many inconsistencies with the the superpowers. The the uh, I'm almost about to get my eyes to where I can see you without your clothes seems like a very much written in for a mid '90s television series or 
or n- definitely not a Goosebumps episode, but you know, this was an extended <laughs> Goosebumps. Episode. Actually, actually, it would have flown in a Goosebumps episode. I take that back. Uh, so I'm going to say that this one's made up. Correct. This is created only oh! for the television show. All right, got one right. Monet, who's played by Sweet Valley High actress Amaryllis, who basically d- disappears after this. She doesn't. She does this. She does a couple of things. Then, well, she's to be done. fair, she disappeared in this too. I was, <laughs> I was, yes. I was genuinely yeah. surprised when she showed up at the carnival, and I was like, "Who's this new character?" Oh no, wait, she is part of this. Yeah, uh, Mark, is she a combo character or created for the movie? I it I don't I don't think I can answer that because I I only remember her from bits and pieces of this movie and she she seemed like a walk on that came in to punch the 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 punching bag and then yes. disappeared I, I she couldn't have been a real comic book character she has no screen time she's just filling in in the background half the time Peter Incorrect. She is in the comics, part of the original yeah. cast of Generation mm. X, Monet St. Clair. Her mutant ability is practically perfection. That she's mm-hmm. great at everything. Super strength, flight, can do it all. Um, very important to the original lore of Generation X because it turned out Monet was actually the combination of her two younger sisters. And Monet St. Clair was trapped in another mutant's body named Penance. Wow. Feel free to fact check. <laughs> No. Yeah, I'll no. see you guys later. I gotta go back check this. We'll, we'll, we'll wait, Mark. <laughs> Look it up. Look it up. I'm gonna make sure you got also this. a part of the X Factor team, right? During the Peter David run. Oh, yeah, she's excellent in the Peter David run. Yeah, terrific character. Yeah, terrific character who is completely marginalized in this, unfortunately. I mean, because she's the one who should have all the attitude, and she does. Little girl, does this sound like bragging to you? I'm giving you valuable information for the good of your survival. Really? Now, how is this all so valuable? Because, little Juvie, none of us gifted children get along very well. And I just wanted to tell you who's the last person you should mess with. But it becomes just this sort of, like, refrain to that point because all the kids hate each other instantly already that when she comes in, like, snobby, like, I'm just terrific and you ought to know that, it's like... Yeah, well, that's everyone. So it doesn't doesn't. Well, I think that's part of the problem with a school that small. It's basically it's all clicks of one. Everybody's perfect. Everybody's a hero. Yep. Yep. I mean, if there's only two of you. Are you a click? <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, there is yep. two because like Mondo and Kurt are buddies, so they at least are friends. Are but... they? Man, I mean, I mean, that's debatable uh, for sure. Definitely debatable. One last, one last character, and that is the character of Buff. Uh, Mark, is that a character from the comics or made up for the movie? Uh, that feels made up. That feels like we, we we've got to get we've got to get a little bit of sexiness into here, and uh, so we're gonna write this character in to introduce some kind of it's an excuse for the other made up character to want to get his uh, being his ability to see through clothes to, to come into form. Mm. So that, Mm. that, that feels totally made up to me. Okay. Peter. 
That is correct. She is a completely made-up character. But interesting side note: Woo! at the time, the gen- at the time the Generation X was coming out, there was uh, from Image Comics uh, a comic book called Gen Thirteen that had a character named Fairchild that was immensely popular. That did have basically the same powers as Buff did in Generation X. Hmm. Mm. Okay. All yeah. Right. Her her character was created, I believe, in place of Husk, which is a mutant yes. who sheds her skin. Mm. Uh, Okay. Skin mutants. Yeah. Less, uh, less skin issues. Yeah. 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 Uh, by <laughs> the way, that, that scene where she's in the dressing room um, is <laughs> it's amazing. Not, it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, favorite scene, maybe? I don't know. I. It's. No, when. Her when she is her back, that is actually Ms. Western Canada bodybuilding champion who is taking the no. shirt off. Yeah, no, amazing. <laughs> uh, Jack Shoulder in that interview with Sci-Fi said, "When the women came in, she had a better body than Charles Atlas." I'm like that, but what's wow. amazing is that she has her take starts to take her shirt off, and then you see the back, and you see the back of this bo- clear bodybuilder. Then they cut to like Jubilee's expression, and then they cut back to her. And she's like, do you mind? But she's like turning around, which clearly is not the same back we just saw. It's, <laughs> right. It's, an impo- it's a very difficult thing to cut together. I get it. But it's, uh, I was like, it was pretty, it was pretty And the hairstyle changes dramatically between <laughs> dramatically, those cuts. Dramatically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty great. Pretty great. Uh, <laughs> this is all going to lead to a big confrontation with Tresh. How could it not? Um, don't me wrong. Uh, I, 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 I really, I don't want to um, understand our villain in this. He just seems like a monster. But when it's told to me that, like, oh, yeah, mutants, they can just go through the dream space willy-nilly because they're mutants. I'm immediately like, I get why this guy's a little bit jealous. I get why this guy's a little little bit jealous. Uh, It was like when I was reading the comic books. There was one point where they just started saying, I guess mutants just heal faster than humans. I'm like, you know, if I was a human in that world, that might start wearing on me after a while. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's because he's got to be strapped to the dentist chair in order to do the same yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But boy, how about when they like wake him up from that dentist chair? Because what is exactly he getting arrested for? <laughs> for dreaming too hard or nut i guess or like (laughs) well i mean the one guy jumps out the building so i'm kind of assuming like they suspect him of murder (laughs) but they made clear he convinced him in a dream to jump out the window so i'm literally going like at first i'm like okay got it he made that guy jump out the window the cops are going to take him down but then i'm like but wait why would the cops know any of that happened? I mean, according to that logic, why didn't they just arrest Freddy Krueger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should have just called the cops. Just call the cops, old Fred. <laughs> I don't... But this whole dream thing really kind of is insane to me because, like, this guy's plan is, which I kind of understand, which is, like, if you can access people's dreams, you can control their subconscious, right? You can convince them to do anything you want to do. His first test run on this is, like, you know what's going to be great? I'm going to make my board of directors fart. 
as hard as they can and burp as hard mm-hmm. as they can. Mm-hmm. And Just then, to you know prove what? I can do it. And then he's genuinely surprised when the board goes, you're fired. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You manipulated us yeah. and made us look like fools in front of one another. You're fired. And he's like, what? Me? What other what other ideas did he have before he narrowed it down to like, I know. I'll get them to all fart. It was like, I'll make you shit yourself. And he's like, no, no, no. I got to dial that one back. That would be messy. It just seems like yeah, such a ridiculous way to prove your point. Sure, yeah. sure. You could have had any other thing happen. You could have, like. You could have made them all just saying, hey, Jude. And they all would have been. Right, right, right. They, they would have been like, to clear that. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Whoa, be- whoa Beatles. Oh, we're going to clear the Beatles, huh? Okay. <laughs> Can okay. start a little lower with maybe Whoa. some moody We can't even say the name Greco right now because it's trademark. This is 96, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Coincidentally, have you seen If Looks Could Kill? Because that movie is pretty great. So good. So good. <laughs> then once he gets trapped in the dream world, I'm curious, like, what exactly is... His plan. I, I, I was about to ask you the same thing. Also, what? Well, what is their plan? They have a portal to get in and a portal to get out. She's apparently going to do something to him and wants to trap him or do something in the dream world before he figures out he's in the dream world. Which, of course, he figures out right away because Banshee knocks him through that. Brick because wall. Banshee comes in and is basically just like you're in the dream world. <laughs> <laughs> like he immediately. He blows the cover. To be fair, he had a full team go after this guy who all failed. So he was like, yeah. I don't know. I guess I'll scream. That's my only thing. Uh, well, prior to that, he was applying weed and feed to the lawn in the backyard. So he was pretty busy. <laughs> Can we hurry this up? I've got a lot of dishes I need to do. Plus, these windows are not going to clean themselves, and there's a lot of windows in this place. <laughs> oh. oh my god! Oh. I have to clean the many dream machines we have in many different rooms. <laughs> oh god! I I mean, also, what was his power? What was Tresh's power? Once he does, I guess he goes into the dream world, and because he's in the dream world so long. A guess a latent X factor goes off and he actually mutates. But what is his power? He becomes, he even says so, as he said in the trailer, I feel omnipotent. With what? Because it doesn't feel like he is. Because it feels like every single kid gets a turn to punch him. And punch yeah. him really hard. Like <laughs> Right, yeah. A little bit uh, of disappointment there in Buff, too, because she's supposed to be super strong. Oh, I know. And then then she just basically tosses him around the room. She tosses him across the room a little bit, right? I don't know. She's shy. It's a bit of a toss. It was like a little bit of a toss. She's like, I don't want everybody to see uh, my muscles. If I throw them too hard, it's going to be embarrassing. I'll just toss them a little bit. I'm not comfortable with this. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm a teenager in 1996. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not ready for everyone to see my muscles. <laughs> but you know what I am ready for? Things we love and things we hated. That's right. We're going to talk about the things we love and the things we hated about Generation X. Mark, what's something you loved? 
I loved that Matt Fr- was an <laughs> like he was working at an ad agency. And if you cut out like all the superhero bullshit from this movie, you have like a tight half hour sitcom where Matt's yes. headroom is running an advertising agency. Yes. Yes. And I was like, I could I am into that. Yes. Because for all so the stuff we're saying about Matt Frewer being a little over the top, like Matt Frewer is awesome. And I yeah. love the hell out of the Max Headroom TV show. Yeah. Totally. Which I think might still be on Tubi. I watched a couple episodes recently and I'm like, hell yeah, buddy. I love this. <laughs> I, 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 I am. I, yeah, I'm with you. I would see that show for sure. Totally. This so that I love. backdoor pilot might have been the backdoor pilot of that show that you're talking about. <laughs> 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 so is that was i'm sorry i interrupted you is that your whole point is that you just love that there was a bit of a tv show about yes an ad agency? yes that's it that's what i loved there's a little bit of an ad agency sitcom nestled in this in, in the middle of this movie well you struggled for something <laughs> well but like, i found what do I something love? what i, I don't struggle something. to find any love for is if looks could kill I love every moment of that film. But this yes. one, oh, I'm really, really struggling. I'm struggling with what some scenes could have been. That's what I love. All right, Peter, what did you love? Uh, weirdly, what I loved is that when you go into Jubilation's dream when she's so worried that her parents hate her and want to know why did they give her up and why did they betray her, they turn out just to be normal, loving parents. That are like, yeah, did we do do the right thing? God, I really miss her. I hope she's okay. But we didn't want her to end up in a mutant camp. That would have been terrible. Um, Like to me, like that was genuinely surprising in a 1996 show like this. Like I was like, oh, wow. They're just like normal parents. Like this feels like the biggest twist. Of this, yeah. of this series. <laughs> that said, though, it's weird that they don't actually then tell her, like, hey, wait, do you have quick. parents, Ryan? Wait, do you have parents, Ryan? Because I'll tell you yes. right now, I have parents. There's a lot of things they tell other people about me that are very positive. <laughs> that you know what? I will never hear. Never hear. I hear these wonderful things around. I hear these wonderful things around corners and from other people. Never do they go. Wow, was I impressed with? Anything you've done in the last 15 years. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they, the one thing if you could say they were messed up in doing is like, hey, they're going to take her to a mutant camp. We can't have that. Right. Let's send her to that school instead. It's Xavier Institute. Exactly. We're on both on board. Should we tell her? No. Let's have her be approached by strangers and have them explain it. We will not talk to her about this. We say nothing. Yeah. Okay? No. We say nothing. We move because- on with our lives. Because the only way you stop the mutant camps, Ryan, is by voting, not talking about it. You've got to talk to your legislature and get that. (laughs) uh, That's the only thing we're like. There's mutant camps. They keep talking about the show. Like, it is crazy that this does look like a Beverly Hills 90210 or Saved by the Bell. And yet somewhere miles away, there are literal Mutant camps. camps. There are camps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the Mutant Registration Act, this dates back to Uncanny X-Men number 181 and is used in the X-Men animated series and is mentioned in the X-Men movies from the 2000s. So a very common theme 
the uh, X-Men Registration Act. Erica, what's something you loved? I did not think I would love this when it first started. It's the the copy that I watched on YouTube is very pixelated. It's a little it's a little tricky to watch. Yeah. But I love the over the over the top performances. I love the 90s-ness of yes. all of it. Yes. Big time regrets that I didn't watch it with the commercials. Tonight's movie, Generation X, will continue. Chew on this. The average American eats five times a day. Five times. And only brushes twice. Chewing Trident after eating can help you fight cavities five times a day. But what I, I think what I really love the most was that I felt like they did a lot with a very low budget. They do, they do not have budget to use skin and show him stretching often. So they do it maybe twice, three times. But then they're always trying to work around it and sort of do like sound effects or music and play with the camera angles to look like he's stretching out. So I really appreciated what they did with a little. They, I felt like they did a lot with a little. And I really like that. And... I think it's a real bummer that this didn't become a thing that this to Peter's point didn't have eight seasons. I don't know. Maybe that would have been a terrible idea and it would have fully backfired and people would have been like, this is shit. We're never doing it again. We wouldn't be where we are today with superheroes, but and superhero films, but I don't know. I thought it was really campy and fun. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. I mean, I'm my sorry, thing is, Mark. I'm sorry. I thought it was just so ridiculous. I, I mean, I too also thought it was fairly it was ridiculous. So ridiculous. And I did love the '90s element of it. I mean, like I said, put this next to Hackers. You'll go through '90 to '99. You're going to get it yeah. all. You're going to get. There's, you're going to get there all. There is that. a scene where he hacks, where Skin hacks. I was yeah. sort of like, oh right, yeah. of course, we have someone who can get in the computer system and unlock that. Dream chair. Access denied. Passcode required. Check it out, Lupita. Let me show you a little something I picked up when I ran email for the Vario local gangsters. Try public cyber encryption. <laughs> and even sure. Russell makes fun of email when he's in the yes, dream world. He's like, yes. you're going to send me an email yeah like, like this will never last and you're right. just like oh, remember the 90s when we thought email was just like a, this is a cool a fad joke, yeah a prank <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what's gonna last forever though these little pets that we keep feeding on these little keychains that's <laughs> gonna keep going and also Tomagashi wide guys. Like, jeans <laughs> with like a fabric stripe down right the side. right this rave clothing that staying. we've adopted this will this will keep going there's a scene where buff asks Kurt. Do your glasses come off? Yeah. Could you take them off? I feel like I'm kissing Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. You know, the, if you live for those moments, uh, there's a lot of moments like that in here. And you're right. I mean, seeing it a second time on a better copy, it's still not a great copy, but a better copy was helpful. I think this is a hard one to really judge because it just, the, the the most prominent copy that you find on YouTube, it just does not look good. Yeah. It just does no, not look good. It's and it's really bad. Really a barrier of entry. But let's switch to things we hated. Mark, what did you hate? I, I think I've covered enough of what I hated. It, it's. The fact that they're all sharing a room in a giant house that if you, I guess, if you just throw high school kids or mutants of football, they'll be entertained for hours. It's, <laughs> and the ending, 
it didn't make any sense. Like, are we in the dream world? We're trapped in it? No, we can get out. How do we get out? I don't know. We'll just, I you, you fall into the crevasse, but then you can come and climb back out of it. I don't. The dream and, thing and I felt just, like a separate script element that he had. Like, he's like, yeah. oh, I got this script about this weird dream world. Maybe I'll just throw that into this with all these uh, superheroes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and on top of it, the superheroes. Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> and the superheroes, which you hate. Yeah. Peter, what did you hate? What I hated was um, the overall skeeviness of the boys. Mm-hmm. Like, there was something about that that just didn't hold up, hold up well. But I even remember back watching it in 1996 where I was like, Jesus Christ, guys. Like, <laughs> like, like, ease up. Like, I get, like, they're supposed to be high schoolers, but, like, I was an asshole in high school. And I wasn't, like, quite as bad as these guys uh, were. Um, so that bugged me a little bit. Um, this one line of dialogue where Banshee says, Can't keep blaming yourself for the lots of the aliens. Well, my students. Maybe if I trained them harder, they'd still be alive. And I was really like, who is this line of dialogue for? Other than like <laughs> massive comic book nerds that are going to understand this <laughs> reference. Like this is literally like, you don't need this in this script at all. You already have a super confusing script. It's already too late <laughs> to like create a backstory. Like you don't have time because you really don't have time to give a backstory to Dude, anybody. It's an Easter egg, bro. It's I guess Easter egg. <laughs> yep, but that's Easter eggs played with like about thirty pounds of weight. Like they, it's like a real weighty scene <laughs> where I was just like, God damn! Like, can I find out more about uh, Monet or Buff? Or, or, yeah. or some of our, I mean, weirdly, as much as I love Matt Fuhrer in this, I do because I find him uh, immensely charming and silly. He's a, he's, the, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, I could have used maybe a little less of him. And also, so with less of him, he becomes, becomes more of a mysterious threat. Uh, and more yeah. time actually, like, finding out, like, who are these kids other than raging assholes to each other until, you know, plot-wise when they need to be friends with each other. Um, yep. But there is still a lot that I did weirdly enjoy about this. A lot that made me laugh and made me nostalgic. Yeah, for sure. Erica, what did you hate? I also hated the writing. I think there's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of dialogue and like specific sort of derogatory words and terms used that I was surprised to hear mm-hmm. uh, for it being sort of the just past the mid to late nineties, I was like, Oh, Oh, wow. For TV, we were really that, that aired. That was Mm -hmm. cool. Everybody was okay with that. So I found that just off putting. I I don't, I don't know. I don't think it added anything. It actually didn't make sense that, Mm -hmm. you know, especially uh, one of the scenes in particular, in particular in the dream world between skin and Russell it was just like cringy and uncomfortable. And I'm like, why would you, why would you follow this guy after this? He's just to Peter's point, like he's too gross and he's too skeezy. And I just, it was too much. So that's, if anything, that was what I didn't, didn't care for. And it didn't. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. 
Uh, I, when I'm with Peter, I hated most of the kids. It's hard to look at this movie when you have seen X-Men First Class, which is, this is a dry run of that. And that I think is one of the more successful live action X-Men movies and particular handling the awkwardness of being a teen. Plus you have superpowers and this. So it's very hard to kind of push that out of my head. This was years before. Don't think about that movie. And I get the comic book wasn't afraid to like let kids try to deal with teen issues, but the script seemed to think that those issues mean, meant that they just acted like complete assholes. Mm-hmm. Wait, did the script get it exactly right? Actually, now that I say that, I <laughs> wait. Is this okay? Did I love it? Okay, so I love this movie. I think really because I think that they maybe nailed it. Uh, is, is that are we on something we hated? I love this movie. This is great. I think they killed it. I hold on. I'm convincing myself otherwise. Okay, I hated nothing. Um, let's get into our favorite scene. Mark, what was your favorite scene? Sorry, it's Greco. Greco, pardon me. Yeah. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank uh, the, my favorite scene was the 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 dream dance sequence, which we've kind of talked about. Oh yeah. I mean, the fact that you're dancing to Tom Waits in what can only I can only imagine is the garden set from Android. It's. <laughs> Well, that it was is. the botanical gardens. They shot at the yeah. botanical gardens in Los it Angeles. Is. But you finally, you got into the dream of the girl that you really want to capture her eye. And you're going to dance to Tom Waits in a white sleeveless t-shirt. And this, it's like getting the board to all fart at the same time. Mm. This is a very <laughs> poor use of your special powers. With also, like in that scene, and I know Erica probably could feel this too, is that they also had a bird just on a stand. Yeah, just yes. available. Just, a, just there. Just to yeah. make it tropical. Just put a bird on it. Don't dance too close to that bird because yeah. that bird will freak out. Yeah. He's a dream yeah. bird, buddy. In his heart, he's still a bird. So uh, he will freak out. I mean, uh, it made yeah. me laugh. It made me laugh so hard out it's, loud. To, it's it's a great watching scene. this by myself, I was laughing my ass off. So that was my favorite scene. Yes. Peter. Your favorite scene? Oh, God. It's a real toss-up because I love everything about that carnival. I am a child of the 90s, and carnivals yep. were my life. Yep. Um, yeah, and so they, carnivals are my life. They got that pitch perfect. Um, and then you get that <laughs> wonderful moment of character. I mean, my favorite thing about the carnival is that this is the most we get out of Monet's character in the whole thing. She's surrounded by gorgeous guys. Who have all she's won gifts for them, which to me I'm like interesting. And she literally just goes, "All right, come along, slave boys." And I was like, <laughs> "This is her, I, I guess this is her character." I'm like, "I'm sure they're going to expound, expand." And when they didn't, it made me love it even more. There was something so great about <laughs> like this is all we need. This is all we need. She just hits real hard. She seems real cool, and we're not going to say another word about her. But I'm yeah. also really torn because I do love the argument between Jubilee and Skin over who's going to get in that chair and dream. Okay, when I'm out there, my consciousness is going to be separated from my body. So whatever happens, don't disconnect me. Just wait till I come back and do it myself, okay? I, uh, I think I should go first. No way. If something goes wrong, you're the only one who can understand that weird book. Yeah, because um, they're acting so earnest and the conceit is so stupid. Yeah. 
Um, my favorite scene is easily making the board of directors fart. Let's let's hear it, Mark. Gentlemen, I anticipated your skepticism and have prepared a small practical demonstration. I took the liberty of visiting each of you in your dreams last night. Mr. Donbury, you should buy the cocktail dress. You've got the figure. Would you please get to the point, figure. Mr. Trish? Well, while you slept, I made a small suggestion to each of you that I believe will demonstrate with a soupful of humor the efficacy of this tool. At exactly 10 o'clock, each member of this board will have an involuntary gastric eruption. Is this supposed to be funny, Mr. Trish? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we all want to know. Yep. <laughs> Oh, then they gotta wait for that countdown. Oh, the countdown. I was like, please let it work. Please let it work. They're all staring at a clock. That's what you're looking at. in mind control. Consider the possibilities. I, mean, <laughs> I love the lady that goes, oh! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I sometimes will take these, I take these clips and I'll edit them down. I was like, we need the whole, no. you need the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, you need the whole thing. The whole it's thing here. so wonderful. Like, what cracks me up so much about it is that it's like, all he did was make them fart. That's yeah. it. That's I fart what he made him all do. the time. I'm farting right now. So what? <laughs> like that was their biggest fear. Like, oh no, he makes us fart. Like he didn't make you shit yourselves uncontrollably. He just made well, you, you don't fart. Know you don't know that for sure. We don't oh know for God. sure. Oh my God. I, was I loved say, it. We don't. But it does go to my theory that he is just like a horrible <laughs> incel because his his revenge was like, <laughs> I will humiliate them with farting, especially the women. Because women think they don't fart. <laughs> Guess what? They do. And Gladys, you and your glasses and your sweater, so prim and proper, you're going to fart the hardest. <laughs> She's the one who was like, oh! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, does that mean when Eric, when Erica, when you're asleep and I'm like still watching a movie or reading or something, I could just lean over and go, Erica. Tomorrow at three o'clock in the afternoon, you are gonna rip one so loudly, and it would work. No problem. I'm, and in my dream, I'm like, you got it, Ryan. I'm on it. Three p.m. on the dot. So I'll tell you what, I'll do one at nine. I'll do one at twelve. I'll do one at three. I'll do the other ones just to warm up. Guess what? I'm at work. Anything goes. I'll fart whenever I want. I'm on the clock. Woo! Oh. Loved it. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's hard not to love that scene, too. Um, but because Peter mentioned a little bit, I'll just also say the uh, the carnival scene. If you look at it, really the best moments that some of the, the, the characters have. Mm -hmm. Skin has his best moment where he's talking to the girl. Because there's so much about this character that his he shows up. Uh, he sees this girl. He's obsessed with this girl. He's hacking into computers, just trying to get into the dreams to talk with her. We don't know anything really about him. So yeah. finally he gets a scene to like talk and kind Other of Other than that he's horny. Horny, right? <laughs> yes. And, uh, but he finally gets like a moment to kind of like joke about her and she's feeling bad about her friends. And like, so he's gets that moment. As Peter said, Manet finally gets a, any, any moment, a moment. We find out that Mondo is scared by the slightest of roller coasters. <laughs> I, he, you know, 
So uh, we get a makeout scene. We get the Quentin Tarantino line. I mean, I don't know. There was like, there was, there's a lot of stuff in there. Plus it's all at a carnival, like yeah. that they didn't have to get permission for because Sean was like, of course you can go to the carnival. You're teens. It's the 1990s. You need to go. I've got to get home and count me gold. <laughs> I've got a blazing fire to sit by in my lonely, lonely yeah. home. Oh, he's so cold all the time. He's so cold. Is he just out in the main room? Is that the main room which just yeah. has to fight? Me and Emma Frost are on a bit of a break. And so she's in the room and I sleep in the living room. Hi. My God. Does that thing, like, were they ever a couple? Yes. I don't remember that yes, being they the were. case. Were they? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I did not remember that. Okay. Comic book fans, please okay. feel free to correct me, but I'm nearly positive there was a slight romantic interaction between Emma Frost <laughs> and Banshee during Generation X. Mark has uh, has procured a Marvel Unlimited uh, subscription, and he oh, is shit. now currently pouring through <laughs> digital comics. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, from Marvel's history, and uh, we'll be getting back to you with all his findings. Let's get into some final questions. These are our final questions for Generation X. At your home or business office, do you feel you have enough neon and or pastel lighting? No, absolutely no, not. Not, enough. not even I don't close. Have any pastel lighting. I wish I did. Feels like something we should all have. Agree. And, yeah. Agree. I feel like I've asked this before for another movie. I can't remember what, but would you fall asleep on a stranger's shoulder? Uh, if it's me, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would. Who else would it be? <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> I could fall asleep anywhere. Well, I know. I, yes. Mark, what, what do you think? Hard no. Hard, yeah. no. Hard no for me too. No. Peter? Mm-mm. No, I've never done it. Yeah, and to the point where she was drooling yeah, on him. I was yeah. like, she yeah, was Yeah, absolutely. Correct. <laughs> wow. Yep. wow. Yeah. I hope that's not swayed, stranger, because I'm dro- <laughs> fully drooling out. What, also, wasn't that an indication that the two of them might have some kind of connection going on? Because she was, like, sleeping on him all of a sudden, and they had literally just met. No, sometimes you're just really tired. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. How did they get uh, Emma Frost look right, but not Banshees at all? What's Banshees look, Peter? Well, what's he look? What's his look? What's okay. his vibe? Well, he can. Yes. Yeah. Just you can describe it. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. I mean, it, it, his original look is green and yellow with black and yellow striped like weird wing sleeves that he's got wings that connect to like his legs and under his arms so it's like a glider almost (laughs) yeah yeah because he uses his 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 powers he can actually fly with it he screams down and and it propels him but (laughs) imagine you're just relaxing in the park and there's a dude floating Floating over you, screaming at the top. Of his but lungs. I would like to point out. Oh, cool! It's just Banshee. No big deal. He's registered. <laughs> <laughs> That's bananas. <laughs> I'm like sitting outside having a coffee, and he's just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but to be fair, it, I'm, I'm glad you're like he's registered though. You know he's registered. He would yeah. never. He would yeah. never not register. So I gotta let it go and just, <laughs> just accept it. Yeah. yeah. He, he didn't definitely ask called for this. He definitely called the tower and let them know that he was gonna be screaming over the parking lot. Yeah. I'll be coming by today. Oh, don't be put off by my loud screaming and gliding. Yeah, like oh, even the fact shit. that they could have given him like a green and yellowish ensemble of some kind. Yeah. Just to well, I, I want to push but, back a little bit because in the comic books, uh, in the nineties no. comic books, he did switch from his classic insane costume of green and yellow with wings to just basically wearing like a jacket and pants for a whole bunch okay. of that. Run. A vest yeah. and a vest is the well. Movie the vest feels out of control. Like I don't know what this yeah. version of Banshee oh, is thinking, even in 1996. Oh, it brought mm. such an amount of chaos. It was so upsetting. I loved it. I thought it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it made me want to scream. So I was like, perfect choice. Uh, have, have you ever cosmically shit your fucking pants? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. You're saying as an adult, have you shit your pants? No, we're saying have you cosmically cosmic. shit your pants? <laughs> yes. Which is, I have done a blend of mushrooms and ayahuasca. So yes, the answer is yes, I've cosmically <laughs> shat my pants. <laughs> That's all I needed. That's and also, needed. just as an adult, if I shit my pants, yes. <laughs> yeah, we all got to get more. Com- we all got to get more comfortable about occasionally shitting our pants. <laughs> Age has nothing to do with yeah. it, Ryan. Sometimes you just yeah. shit your pants. Um, in Emma Frost's class, which we talked about, she's showing them all those pictures. She's testing their psychic psychic abilities, mm-hmm. making them you know look at yeah the magic, magic eye pictures. Class. But yet, they all have textbooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would be the title? Of that textbook. Magic Eye 101. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, Astro Plizzle, 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 what was it? Astro Fizzle, Fizzle, Plizzle. <laughs> Keep going. I Keep really going with this. That. I want to know where you're. <laughs> oh, or fumbled it, depending on where you are in the country. Thank you. Uh, Kurt, uh, at one point, takes out the TV with his eye beams and everyone laughs about it. But considering they all have to share bedrooms, was that the one mm-hmm. TV in the whole mansion? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it. Yep. it was. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But they yeah. didn't have cable. So it didn't hurt him that much. What <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> What game are they playing at the very end? Remember that card game that they're playing? Oh, yeah. What was that? Uh, it was like a tarot deck, like a space age tarot deck, like early Magic the Gathering. Peter, any guesses on the game? Uh, my guess on the game, if they're going to throw in a line like all the Hellions die and you can't blame yourself, this is probably some sort of foreshadowing of what we would have seen in season one of Generation X. Uh, where uh, we're going to meet a mutant that can make tarot cards come to life, mm. which was actually oh. a character from the comics. But I think they would have wow. made her a new wow. character who wants revenge All for right. the dead Hellions that Emma Frost had killed. Or okay. had led their well, then I guess okay. that all tied that together then for you. Yeah, huh. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I've got it pretty much mapped out. I've got an outline for this first season I'm writing in my head <laughs> right now. <laughs> all right, let's get into some research. We got some stuff to talk about. This was aired 
February 20th, 1996 at 8 p.m. on Fox as part of their Tuesday night at the movies. Mm. Oh, Tuesday that. night at the movies. No, I remember that. That was the, the best thing. night to go to the movies. The yeah. best night. Opposite, Wings, Third Rock from the Sun, and oh. the John Larroquette Show on NBC. Larroquette. How could you? How can you fail? <laughs> how could you fail? Roseanne, Coach, Home Improvement, and Ellen on ABC, and on CBS, campaign coverage of the New Hampshire primary. Over the second version on YouTube, I watched. They had a Chiron come up twice, which said that Pat Buchanan is declaring victory in the New Hampshire Hampshire primary. Wow. So. And also, that was only an hour they had that footage. And then they had a TV movie called Sins of Silence. That's what they were going up against. Uh, This was supposed to be the first of three made-for-TV Marvel movies New World was going to make for Fox. The other two were a Nick Fury movie, which was later made and released in 1998 by Fox. Yep. Uh, <laughs> part of the uh, 90s MCU will be ranking later in this month. Woo! And a Black Widow movie, which was never made. Oh. Uh, at this point, New World had sold Marvel, at least the comic division, but they had kept Marvel Productions, which allowed them to put their characters on TV, and they were still doing a lot of cartoons and so on. In May of 1995, Fox acquired the rights to the Nick Fury movie, Generation X and Black Widow, New World also sold the telefilm rights for a Punisher film, not the Dolph Lundgren one, but not sure, but probably not. It was probably a new version. Mm -hmm. They sold it to NBC and a She-Hulk pilot to CBS. And this is not the She-Hulk pilot New World had put together in 1990, which we talked about in Death of the Incredible Hulk and also in the Angel 3, the final chapter episode, which was going to star Mitzi Capture. That that was going to air on ABC. And that was going to, and they actually started to shoot that for a few days. And that was Bill Bixby returning. Uh, this would have been another pilot that also would have also followed their failed attempt to sell a She-Hulk film with Brigitte Nielsen, which they took those promo photos of her yeah. as She-Hulk. Mm. That was in 1991. Hmm. Why Generation X? At the time, X-Men Comics were selling 36 million issues a year. Mm. Wow. The first issue of Generation X was also one of the top selling issues of 1994. According to that Newsday article I had uh, quoted from earlier, the budget for Generation X was $4.5 million. And it's mm. all there on the screen. 4.5? It's wow. all there. Feel it's all on the screen. With, it's all there. I feel like at least, uh, at least 2.5 went missing somewhere. 4.5 million seemed like a, wow. not a ton, but... Not terrible either. With $400,000 for special effects alone. Um, wow. In a 2015 interview with Sci-Fi, Jack Shoulder says the budget was 6 to $8 million, What? With a shooting schedule of 23 days, though, which would imply to me that the 4.5 figure is more accurate. But, you know, so who knows? They actually shot this all in Vancouver. So that also made me think that it was a smaller budget, too, because they're going to try to make things for more money. But again, $4.5 million is not bad, and they're shooting in Vancouver, and so it's less expensive. They also used uh, for the, the school was Hatley Castle, which is the same location they used for the 2000s X-Men movies. Crazy. Yeah. Also, Shoulder insists that this wasn't actually a backdoor pilot for a, uh, for a TV series. 
He says, quote, they never told me that whenever you made a TV movie, that was always a possibility, but it certainly wasn't made as a pilot. If they had said, we're really hoping that we can interest Fox in doing this as a series, I probably would have stuck around and had a little bit more interest. <laughs> Wait, is this the director that said that? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> probably Did he leave probably early? would have cut, cut out seven days early. <laughs> let, <laughs> yeah. let my AD finish it all up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wow. if I, if I knew we were going to try to do something, I would have tried to have given a shit. But you know, it's a TV movie. <laughs> say, it's weird that he says that because, like Matt Frewer in a, in that same article, he also says at the end that a TV series based on Generation X was quote ratings and reviews dependent, um, adding that his character could come back if a series was to happen. So. I don't, I don't know. Maybe his memory is not serving him. Maybe he was the one guy that was not told that this could be a series. I, I don't know. I don't know the full context of the Matt Frewer interview, but he's clearly talking about it. Like it could come back. Mm -hmm. People are interviewing people or at least like journalists are probably asking them like, is this like a, going to be a TV series or, I mean, I I don't know. Well, I would say he had to shoot off the script. Right. And the script has, the script has lines like, Mutant Registration Act. There are camps. <laughs> like, there's a whole yeah. bunch of exposition in this thing that has nothing to do with the story that we're involved in at all. Mm-hmm. That only serves right. to be like, hey, later on down the road, things are going to get wild. Yeah, we're going right. to see that mutant. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that's dangled that we're like, later, later, we'll do Lobster later. Claw yeah. is yeah. coming back. And guess what? His, <laughs> yeah. his mutant name. God, I can't he's wait. Free. I can't wait. His mutant name is Beachfront. And he's going to talk to Manet and you're going to be like, who's that lady? (laughs) I mean, I know Beachfront. I know that guy. Uh, They also spoke to Stan Lee. He also was on the press tour for Generation X. He says this about it. The nice thing about Generation X is that we didn't change a thing. It's very true to the comics. <laughs> they invented two new characters. And they took out other characters. What are you talking oh, wow. about? But outside of that, it was very true to the comic. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that just it was amazing to me. Uh, another person invested in the success of Generation X was Brandon Tartikoff, who was then hmm. chairman of New World Entertainment. And an executive producer of this. Here's what he said in a press release. If this catches hold with the audience, I think it's going to awaken what we sense, that there is a big audience appetite for these larger-than-life characters. One of the beauties of Marvel Comics is that they're not like the traditional comic books in terms of their appeal being segregated to teens. There's a very large segment of people in their 20s and early 30s who read comics. I just love hearing somebody talk about it who clearly has never read a comic book in his entire life. Like, can you believe it? People? Apparently, uh, when I was a kid, uh, we read them maybe if we were like five, and then we just threw them in the garbage because they were trash. <laughs> Not as full-blown adults. Oh, read apparently these. adults like these things. Who knew that? Tartikoff adds, um, and that mature side of the readership probably accounts for some of the popularity of the Generation X series. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I uh, I mean, maybe. Yeah, sure. Um, there's a columnist named uh, Andrew Smith who went under Captain Comics in the 90s. He wrote for the Commercial Appeal. And he thought Generation X 
was great. Adding, it sure beats Baywatch. Oh. So <laughs> the reviews, the reviews were pretty good. In fact, later on in uh, in July of 1996, he comes back with a report that Fox was planning a Generation X TV series to debut in the fall of 1997. So this, they were like, okay, we did it. Let's go. Perhaps complicating this potential series, though, was the sale of New World to Fox. Also in July of 1996, News Corp, the parent company of Fox at that time, bought New World Entertainment stock. They basically bought up all the stock. It's sort of a hostile takeover. For $2.48 billion, wow. with Jeez. Tartikoff resigning that same day. Wow. Uh, at the time, New World was owned by Ron Perelman. He was the one who sort of bought it from the original owners and had turned New World into from like a... Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Good on him. This is yeah. where the wealthy and the powerful rule. It is her world. A world apart from mine. It's like, why are you doing all these helpful movies and shit? You made all that bank selling New World. Because he he loves the craft. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, He had turned New World into, like, not only did they do a lot of stuff at that point on TV, they were no longer doing theatrical, but they were doing TV, and he'd owned a series of of TV stations. And those were the real thing that Rupert Murdoch wanted. In fact, according to the LA Times article that I read uh, from that year, the only thing Murdoch wants is the stations, says one executive. All the rest of it is baggage that they'll deal with later. And that Makes would sense. be that would signal the end of New World. Mm-hmm. New World as an entity is now over. The sale included New World Animation and Marvel Films Animation. And I believe Fox also received the rights then to Daredevil and Silver, Silver Surfer. They would later all be owned by Disney once they purchased Fox Family in 2001. Marvel Entertainment in 2009, and 21st Century Fox in 2019. Also included in this deal uh, of buying New World was a deal that New World had with TV producer Stephen J. Cannell, the co-creator of 21 Jump Street and Booker. (laughs) Full circle, baby! Full circle! (laughs) Take that, Greco! All right! (laughs) And that's it! That's our research. That is Generation X. Look, the, the, the one thing that I learned... And while doing my own little research on this delightful movie is that Fred Decker, who's credited with the uh, story credits for Godzilla 1985 and House for New World Pictures, is also credited with the story for If Looks Could Kill. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So nearly New World, question mark? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Could it be? There you go. Could it be? Good work, Greek. Uh, Also, Darren Starr wrote the script, and he did some rewrites on Dead Heat. Oh, yep. Wow. I I see. I see if looks can kill in our future. Good work, McComb. Good work, Greco. (laughs) 
Wine cooler, you still there? Wine cooler. You still Thank there, you wine so cooler? Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It is so great to have you back on the show. Thank you so much thank for having so me. Much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh my gosh, our pleasure. Thank you so much for all the insight. I know there's going to be some conflict people that are going to look up all the stuff, but I know they're going to find out that you were right. Now, you were right. You know what you're talking about. You know what? I'm going to give myself a, probably a fewer score on that and say I'm about 60% right on everything I said. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the Frewer scale the Frewer scale <laughs> yep uh, uh where can people find you peter on the internet oh sure you can find me at uh feedback jones uh twitter and peter fluet on instagram please come to west side comedy uh every other monday throughout this year to catch my improv team heyday performing at eight o'clock every other monday at west side comedy theater that's right, in Santa Monica, California. Yeah, so, get out uh, there. Get out there. Find a way. If you don't live in California, that's not an excuse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you again, Peter. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out any information about us, go to our website, newworldpicturespodcast.com. You can find all our episodes. You can find articles we'll be writing. You can find information about your hosts. You can find our T-shirts. Buy a T-shirt. And we'll see you next time on the New World Pictures Podcast. Bye, everybody. That's right, officer. All those names are correct. Thank you, ma'am. We can go now, can't we? Sure.